And we're back at it again with another episode of Coffee Meets Cream. I'm your host, Phil the Philosopher, and I'm here with your boy, Larry the Bearded. And we have a special guest. Would we call him special? Yes, he's he's special to us. You know, he's very important to us. Important? That's overstating it a little bit. Come on. Don't do this to our boy. (laughs) We and, do have a dear friend here. Yes. And we, 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 what we're going to call him, CR? Let's just call him his name. It's, we have Christopher here. Yo, CR, what's up? Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Christopher, did you have a pseudonym prepared for the podcast to come on as? No, I didn't even think about that. Well, that's one of the most important things when being on a podcast, the persona. Forget about the topics. Forget about what people talk about. It's your pseudonym. It's the only thing that matters. I kind of just prepared with the topic. All right. Well, then you're a step ahead of us then. I guess. Uh, a step ahead of <laughs> you, my friend. <laughs> step ahead of you. Uh, you know, uh, me and Christopher, we had a, a long conversation um, earlier. Offline. Offline, right? Offline about, you know, the situation that's going on overseas in Ukraine. And Larry, what do you feel about the situation? How do you feel about the situation? Well, I just want to give people some reference. It is Monday, February 28th at 10.45 p.m. that we're recording this. So just contextualize that for anything that happens because hell, shit can change within the next hour for all we know. That's true. Um. I don't know. I think this is uh, to to pack it into a very short summary. Um, seems like the world's pretty pissed at Putin. So, you know, it kind of starts and stops there <laughs> for the most part. There's obviously a lot more to it, but yeah, he done fucked up. Where were you when you first found out that he went in? Well, I know where you were, but how did you feel? And how did you find out? Uh, I mean, I found out via Twitter, like a lot of people find out about breaking news nowadays. And I felt just like, okay, so he really did it. All right. Um, is this World War Three? And then I heard Biden pretty much say, listen, Ukraine's kind of on their own. And I'm like, all right, I guess it's not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Christopher, where were you when you first heard that they went in? I think I was watching Netflix and for some reason I decided to turn it off and the news popped up and I was like, oh shit, <laughs> exactly what they told us was going to happen is happening, except much worse than uh, what I expected. Kind of like the biggest humanitarian crisis we've had since I've been alive. So it's safe to say our parents endured less than what we've gone through in our days of our lives. Um, that's debatable, only because they had to, they experienced the draft, which thank God it doesn't look like we're gonna have to. Mm-hmm. But that's that's pretty fucking terrifying. I would not want to be in in the country when they're doing the draft. So let's get to the nitty gritty. What is this war about? So I think that's why we got Christopher here. So, 
I'm going to preface it by just saying that uh, Christopher is by no means a literal military expert, but Christopher has been doing extensive research on this and is seriously investing in this topic. So, right, right. Christopher, uh, you've been talking about this with us for the last couple of days. Lay it on us. Why don't you lay it out with you know what the base basics of what happened in a couple sentences. How did we get here? And then what happened within the last couple of weeks? Okay, so Ukraine has a history of being invaded since the beginning of time. Uh, they've never been really an official country, but that doesn't mean they're not sovereign right now. Russia's concern with the whole situation is that Ukraine is a pro-Western democracy that wants to join the EU and also wants to join NATO. But people, but people who don't, don't know what the EU is, let them know. I didn't understand. It's my Google Home. Hi, Google. We're not asking you what the EU is, all right? We're asking Christopher Google. Yeah, that works. Who anyway. Um, yeah, so Putin feels threatened by uh, Western influence. And uh, Ukraine is increasingly showing that they are pro-Western governments, rather pro-Europe, rather than pro-Russia. Uh, this has been going on on and off for since 1991, since, since Ukraine broke, broke free of the Soviet Union. Problem with that is you have a, a dictator, Vladimir Putin, who's been in president of Russia since 1999, which little, it's 2022 right now. I think there's a little bit of a problem with that. But regardless, he is, uh, he feels threatened by the potential of Ukraine getting accepted into NATO. And the only way he can stop that is militarily. So he doesn't want NATO close to him. Yeah, I can't blame him on that. Well, I never looked at NATO as being a bad thing. I felt as if it always kept the peace going back from World War II. So why, why would it be a threat to him now? Is it because he's not a part of NATO? I think that's one of the biggest questions I had from two and, and Chris said, wait on this one. Why now? And not just now, like after the Olympics, which we kind of discussed, like, oh, he waited till you know, the world's eyes could kind of be on him again and not mess around with China and the other thing. But like, why wait so many years? What, what was the whole thing? The other thing that nobody realizes, including myself until recently, this has been going on since 2014. This is not a new conflict. That is very true. This is in a conflict that hasn't been covered sufficiently by the media. Back in 2014, you've had the, actually even before that, you've had Ukrainian revolutions. But 2014 was the big one. I think it was the Mandarian um, Square Revolution where the Russian, where the Ukrainian people rose up and protested against the pro-Russian government because 
the pro-Russian government didn't want to join NATO back in 2014. This is a long-stemming feud between the two countries. This is not just today. Most of most of the people now think, oh, it just started last week. That's bullshit. There's been 13,000 people killed since 2014 until now during this conflict. So we're here now. It's a lot of people. So we're here now. Uh, Russia's invaded. Uh, to, to me, with the news that's gone on, um, I feel as if Ukraine has did a, has done a good job standing off against Russia. Because I, I believe last week, uh, you told me that they weren't going to last the weekend. And they're still here. Perhaps I was wrong. They're very resilient. Yeah, well, there's a 40-mile uh, military brigade, brigade surrounding Kiev right now. I saw that. Some bad shit. It's, it's it's getting it's getting very muddy, but it, it takes that it, just to put it into context. It takes all of that just to even get there. So the citizens, the army, their military has done a good job of standing Russia off, which brings me to my next question. How strong is the Russian army? It's the third largest army in the world. But how strong is it? Yeah, so let's let's just for comparison's sake, the top two we believe are the United States and China. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. Correct. Okay. In comparison to the US and China, how far behind are you? You're like a little far behind, or they like pretty goddamn far behind. Little far behind. Okay. But the United States military is so far ahead of their nearest competition, China, that it's not an even playing field. So if we're helping them, sending them um, weapons. And good ones. How, how good is it for them against Russia? Well, the missiles we're sending them, I believe it's the Javelin missile, mm-hmm. um, pretty much cuts through uh, Russian tanks like butter. Apple butter, baby. All right. That's 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 intense. That's firepower there, yeah. That's intense. They got a lot of them. <laughs> that's intense. So that's I want to point out one thing that I noticed with the weapons and what's going on there is that I've seen a lot of. I don't want to use the word propaganda, but I've seen a lot of stuff on the internet circulating around giving Ukrainians advice on how to do things like tackle and eliminate Russian tanks, how to neutralize vehicles, how to throw uh, Russian military off the scent of the trails of where people could be in the city, tactics like changing stop signs, painting dinner plates, silvers, they look like landmines, all these little weird things. So my question to you, Chris, is relating to the weapons and whatnot, it seems like there's an awful lot of pro Ukraine sentiment and I mean for all intents and purposes listen I think most people are like yeah fuck Putin but it seems like a suspicious amount 
you feel the same way? Do you feel like there's a, a, an unusually high amount of pro-Ukraine sentiment, especially with the stuff that's floating around out there? First of all, in any war, I mean, at least any of the wars that I'm familiar with, propaganda is one of the largest weapons that can be used. Um, if we're not supporting Ukraine through propaganda, we're doing them a disservice. You're not hearing how many Russians have died. I mean, you're not hearing is how many Ukrainians have died. You're hearing how many Russians have been killed, how successful the, uh, the defense of Ukraine has been. Um, the reason why is for morale reasons. You, like they're fighting what seems to be a hopeless battle. And if you can give them a glimmer of a chance, give the people a glimmer of the chance that they can hold off this army, they will fight that much harder. So we're really fighting the proxy war with them of the media. We're not fighting the military war at this time with Ukraine. We're fighting the proxy war with them, supporting them and literally presenting them with propaganda. We're doing the best we can, and not just America, as a, as a worldwide federation, as NATO, as whatever you want to call us. We're doing the best we can to give Ukraine the best chances of success. And what does success look like? I don't know. Well, in this case, I, I guess um, a ceasefire? I mean, you know, it's it would be hard to get Russia on the same page as them. I wouldn't because agree to a ceasefire. He wouldn't. That's the whole point. He wouldn't because what he wants I don't believe they'll give. And they really, if they've been at war for years, I guess they're just tired and they just want help. So they're going to join. And it's like joining a gang. If you're tired of getting jumped, you're going to get some people on your side. And I guess that's where they're up to at this point. But now they're getting jumped. And they stand alone. So to that point, Christopher, we've discussed this a little bit. What does Russia want? And specifically, what does Putin want? And I'm going to lay a little bit of groundwork down to this. We've discussed the notion of cultural exploitation. And personally, I'm immensely fascinated by this. So what is lo Russia looking to achieve with this war? Is cultural exportation something that's still on the table for the Soviet people? And I use that term fast and loose to try and describe, you know, Eastern European nations that were part of the USSR at one point, um, the Russian sentiment that they're not just Russia, they are the Soviet Union. Is that something that Putin is looking to make a lasting impression with, or is it something a little different, you think? So the first thing is, I, I think we should separate Russia from Putin, because I don't think the Russian people are supportive of this. Do you think Putin is a, a lone despot at this point? I wouldn't say alone. I would just say he's losing popularity, support. Yeah, I've watched the reports. 
you know, he became president in uh, 1999 or something. He saw the fall of the Berlin Wall. He was stationed in Ger Germany as a KGB officer. He called the collapse of the Soviet Union the greatest catastrophe of uh, the century. I mean, think about that for a second. Man, still living in the past. That, well, not even living in the past. I mean, we, we've had some catastrophes in the 1900s. But he claims the Soviet Union's fall was the worst. So that hit him a different type of way. Mm -hmm. Now he's in power. I don't think he cares so much about the culture like, like you think, Larry. Mm. I think it's more of a return to grace or a return to power. Maybe not the whole rebuilding of the Soviet Union, but he wants some territory back. He wants to make peace with that collapse on his terms. I don't know what that means, though. So I ask about the culture thing because I feel like, personally, it's, it's kind of a, a thing that you see when trying to usurp power and we're trying to behold power to the rest of the world. Like Culture is a big part of that power struggle. Um, it doesn't seem like that's playing a huge role here, obviously, but is that something you think that the Russian Putin sentiment still feels should be exported? We've had these conversations too about the kind of uh, cultural exportation that's happened in the world, especially for like Germany post World War II and Japan post World War II. Um, we haven't seen much on the Russian side. Do you think that's something that he would still support and want to see? I'm sure he wants to do whatever would leave his legacy as the greatest Russian leader of all time. So yes, what is what is he what is he going to do about it though? What is he going to export to the rest of the world? I don't know. But if he acquires territory, that would be added to his legacy. I think it's a legacy thing. He's a narcissist and he has influence and power. So it looks like he's doing things more in his own interest and not necessarily in the interest of the Russian people or government or Russian legacy anymore. It's now within the interest of his own. Correct. Look at the look at the oligarchs that have been theoretically stripped of their money. I mean, we don't know what's going on with the sanctions. We've talked about that. Like we have no idea what well, sanctions is heavy though. They seem to they appear to be it's heavy. They appear to be heavy. You the, take away the people's money. And like, the pe no, we're not taking people's money. We're taking oligarchs' money. So yeah, let's let's elaborate on what the sanctions are for a second, because that swift one. That's a that's a tough blow. Explain that a little bit. Well, I don't I, I don't know exactly how all that works. Again, I don't know the time frame of everything, but SWIFT is our worldwide uh, cash app, if we will. It's how we transfer money, how countries transfer money from one to the other. It's like an international banking um, yeah. transmittance Secure, uh, service. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And uh, Russia has hardly any access to it anymore. Additionally, um, the U.S. froze the biggest banks in Russia. 
Um, they forgave all foreign debt to Russia, which is 30% of the economy of Russia. Um, you know, you see sports pulling out. Two yeah. teams in the KHL pulled out. F1 removed their Grand Prix. Putin is stripped of his judo presidency. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people are pissed the fuck off. Um, and these oligarchs have to be because they don't have access to their money anymore. So he's really hitting them where it hurts and hitting them in the checkbook uh, by, by putting the sanctions on. You get anybody mad, you mess with their money. Got to follow the money. You got to follow the money. <laughs> like I always say, Christopher, follow the money. But this is, this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. This has been going on since 2014. It, you know why it's a surprise? Because it happened. We, it happened. But even though it was going on since 2014, not a lot of people know about it. Until it has to be one of those situations where it hits, boom, Russia went into Ukraine, right? I remember when I heard it. I, it was 12 o'clock. I'm sitting there watching YouTube. And then I, I just back out and it says, Russia invades Ukraine. Had me stuck to the TV till 1 o'clock, 1.30 in the morning. I said, the world's over. Shit's this is real time. This is, Yeah. I'm like, the world is over. This can't be. This can't be. So then from there and you you're watching bombs drop and you you're thinking back to what they used to teach you in history class right and you're like oh i've really never saw this like i remember when we invaded iraq and it wasn't like something i was like all right we, we just we're getting somebody Right. But now we're looking at Russia doing it to Ukraine. It's like, is this another war? I don't know. It's, it's really. So uh, I had a question about this thing. Now, Phil, we, we talked about this a little before, and I, I just sent you something a little while ago about uh, a little mean thing in Western media when tragedy hits and kind of the map of the world. Mm -hmm. um, this isn't the first war that we've seen in our lifetime. It's not. This isn't the first invasion into a, quote, civilized country that we've seen in our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. My question is, what the hell is the difference between now versus when countries in Africa are invaded, countries in the Middle East, countries in, in South America, uh, other Eastern European nations? Like, what makes this so unique and so earth shattering when... Hell, we're doing it all the time to all different kinds of countries. In the U.S., you know. I, I think for me, I think it's because it's Russia and it's Putin, and we just don't like him. Hmm. I, I think it, it's a it's a lot to do with media and politics, and because we don't like him, there's a picture that's supposed to be painted, and the picture painted of Putin. It's like this motherfucker, he's back at it again. And so like everybody's on board. Everybody within the United States is on board. And now we're tuned in. This is like telenovela. 
right? And this is <laughs> we, we, we're like, what the fuck? This guy is fucking up. And that's it, 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 it's like we're we're grabbed into action. And then there's the fear of it happening to us. What happens if Putin is, he's gonna he's gonna come get us? When he said, you know, if any retaliation is taken against him, his action would be swift. So then we we scared. We, we get shook up. Let's talk about that for a second. Uh, Phil and Chris, what do you guys think the the actuality of nuclear weapons being used by Russia is? Ten percent chance. There's something called nuclear deterrence. That's also a problem because uh, Ukraine agreed to give up their nuclear weapons that the Soviet Union left in their country. They gave them up to Russia in assurance that there would be no conflict back in the early 90s. Well, let's look at this now. It's conflict. (laughs) How long do these uh, agreements last for? But Putin doesn't really have any other leg to stand on other than the fact that he is uh, a nuclear power, just like we are. And uh, NATO is as a whole. He's going to threaten. You have a caged rat right now, and he's going to do whatever he can to get out of that cage. That is true. Despite all his rage, he's still... (laughs) Here we go. Just a rat in a cage. <laughs> oh, God. Couldn't help it. Low-hanging fruit, gentlemen. Couldn't help it. Oh, God. The dude's been a president for 20-something years. Is there anything wrong with that? It's it's something wrong with it to our standards. Fine. That's a good point. You know? That is a good point. Yeah, because we, you know, we, we push our narratives on everybody else. We say this is how it should be. This is how democracy is. But we just don't. If if Putin's been a president for 20 some odd years and his own people don't have a problem with it, why do we have a problem with it? Sure, it's none of our business. But Exactly. Well, well, got it. Um, to piggyback on your point, Phil, actually, you bring up a good point. In some cases, you know, we got a four-year system, right? Yes. In some cases... That may not be enough time to make the changes that you need to make and actually see a difference from them, from the same person. Clearly, of course, absolutely. Like, there's cases and scenarios where you will see it within a year. You'll see it within hell a week sometimes. You'll see it within a couple of years. But on the whole, to see grand changes in something that's so big as a country, I don't know if four years is quite enough time to see the changes as the same person is there. Well, that's why we have elections. But you only a president yes. only goes two times eight years. Right, that's enough. But, but that, well, that's to <laughs> Phil's point, and I mean that probably is enough. But to Phil's point, like you know, if people are okay with that, you know, who are we to say? Exactly. Seem like everyone's okay with this stuff, Phil. Just just to clarify, I don't, I don't know if the Russian people are okay for this long, but it seemed for a while that we're like, yeah, this seems like a good idea, right? Yeah, they. I mean, listen. T- it's just now that now they have a problem with it, but before they didn't have a problem with. It. They were okay with the guy. I think last election they seemed to be getting sick and tired of the shit because um, he won. Who it was. He won by a landslide. No, 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 no. This one I remember because I forget who it was, but um, the guy who was the front runner 
was poisoned and then he fled the country and he he avoided dying from the poisoning he actually and, fled the country and then still got poisoned there you go he fled and then got poisoned so you know too. so it's been the dissent has been growing and i don't know how far back it goes but i definitely remember the last election uh you could you could taste it it's like oh they don't, they don't like him so much anymore do they no this guy is as close to a dictator and a, and i hate to use the reference but you know it's on everybody's mind he's as close to hitler as we've seen or Stalin. oh i don't listen stalin i get stalin hitler i don't I, i'm not gonna go that yeah, far I, I don't see the hitler only because i don't see the he's not specific genocide right you i would hear napoleon I'd hear yeah. that. And Napoleon yeah. was a war general as well. So I, I'd hear Napoleon. Oh. And Napoleon was very well revealed. Yeah. Solid. Napoleon had his hands in Ukraine as well. Of course. I remember. I would say Stalin, maybe Mao. I, I, I see more. Stalin, he, he did he, he did rule with the iron fist. <laughs> yeah. But I, I see more. Napoleon and Stalin. Well, what I'm, uh, no, Stalin ruled internally, right? Napoleon looked to expand. Stalin already had the territory. Okay. Napoleon went ahead and let's take some of this. He didn't. Napoleon didn't necessarily take all the territories, though. He did it. He he didn't make it. He didn't. No. Well. He made the same mistake. Well, he made the mistake that was repeated twice. You know, he's great at film. Yeah. I know. I know. Them colonizers. Oh, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> he actually, Napoleon wasn't nearly as bad besides the, the, the wars that he started. Uh, he wasn't nearly as bad <laughs> as most people give him because he gave, he invaded Poland a bunch of times he gave Poland back to Poland. Yes, that I that I, I agree. He wasn't as bad. He wasn't as bad as the people that came after him because he did give people their freedom. He just didn't like um how can I say being beat. I yeah, I feel like Napoleon did it just to do it to show yes. people, yeah, I can yes. fucking do it. Can you? Yeah. Just wanted yeah. to show you that I can do it. Have your fucking land back. Yeah. It, and it, he just didn't like being beat, and whoever beat him, he didn't. He didn't. He just locked them up, and just gave the people back their land. And the people, the person that beat him, he just locked them up. He didn't even kill him. He let him die. Well, they didn't even kill Napoleon. They exiled him. Exactly. But to bring it back to Putin, one thing that I don't think is as clearly communicated by the media, he doesn't see. Ukraine as a sovereign country. He believes that they have the same culture. Yes. Believes he compared it to something like, you know, how Germany and Austria are very similar countries? Yes. The same thing. Putin wants to restore that. And at this point, we realize like he's going to do whatever he can 
to restore that. He thinks he's the greatest liberator in the world. He, I truly believe he thinks he's saving Ukraine. I think he thinks he's saving the people who still speak the language and not um, more towards Russia, but not towards Europe. It's a pretty bold statement to say that he really believes that. And not that you saying it is bold, is that for that to actually be his true sentiment, that he believes that? <laughs> At this point, I mean, we, we've kind of drove to this before it seems to me like putin is the one who's in it for the personal glory whereas someone like xi jinping is in it for the glory of you know mother china right 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 oh it's a selfish it's a selfish thing that is going on here the other it's a lot to package the other reason is let's face it uh 50 of uh, russia's economy is oil and Ukraine stands in the middle of them delivering that oil to Europe. And there goes money. the money. Go ahead, Larry. <laughs> so, no, you, you honestly touched on a really good point. And I just want to bring up the fact that this is this is a very strange turn of events that I don't think anyone really saw coming. And I guess is the silver lining to all of this is that Germany already announced that by 2035, they hope to, hope to be fully renewable energy source, meaning that none of their energy will come from fossil fuels, specifically fossil fuels from external countries, mostly Russia, and they will be using energy sources that are all internal and everything that can be renewed easily. That's fucking huge not only for climate change but for germany's like internal economy that means that they want to make their energy sources completely internal too because to be renewable i, I mean one would think that they're gonna you know try and make stuff that they can produce themselves instead of having to import all this stuff but right. you know this is this is huge what happened and i don't think this is something that anyone considered when uh, this all started but this is going to you know, kind of lay the groundwork for the next few decades on the world, uh, the world screen here. Like Germany's just the start. There will be definitely other other countries following suit. And uh, yeah, I thought that was super interesting. It's interesting, but you know, all these wars have been fought over oil and energy for the last, I mean, since World War II. Probably not World, eh, World War II. We still fought over resources. Um, yes. If Germany separates themselves for the need of resources and they are successful with that, that's a model decision, a model uh, that we all should follow. But are they going to be successful? That is very true. Just but I about, believe that I believe they will. Think about saying that 70, 80 years ago. Oh, hey, Germany is going to become the model nation on which countries will say, hey, you know what? This is how I'm going to make myself into a, a better self-sustaining economy. Mm -hmm. Larry, that's ridiculous because there was a couple other things that happened. <laughs> I know that, but I'm just contextualizing how quickly the world changes and how 
things are very different. Well, things are different. Another thing I wanted to bring up was uh, how Putin is claiming this special military operation is similar to America and NATO's special military operation that we uh, launched in Kosovo back in the 90s. Can I tell you, I didn't even want to bring that up. Kosovo, that is, oh, man. (laughs) It's, you know, I am not going to say I agree with him. But he's not far off. There's a way you can spin facts. I, I know. I know. But when you think about it, I remember Kosovo. I remember where I was. I was a little kid. I remember Kosovo. But it's it's very like it's what? touchy. It's touch and go. It's very similar. And it's five. Yeah, we got we got some blood on our hands. We're no strangers to that. You think these hands have been soaking in ivory? Come on. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Let's 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 acknowledge our participation in, in certain wars. Kosovo. Jeez. We did it though. So we that did. seems to be a problem that America has acknowledging the, their transgressions and saying, hey, you know what? what we made a mistake. A little, little bit. A little bit. Uh, I know this is not about that, but no. Yeah, you know that. That's a long story. But anyway, he's bringing that up. He's also bringing up that Ukraine started a, a coup in 2014, which was their revolution that pretty, pretty much had the pro-Russian government um, abdicate and uh, now live in exile in Russia. He's saying that that was sponsored by the West. He's pointing at the West, specifically the United States, as the 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 spark to this fire. Uh, we usually the spark to most fires. We're the world power. Yeah, yeah. We we are the most powerful. You can call us a bully if you want. How do we stop it? Stop what? Stop this. Um, the, I don't think this is our fight to fight. Larry? I've been trying to rack my brain with this one for a couple of days now. Um, I think Phil's right. This isn't our fight to fight. Not my monkeys, not my circus. Uh, having said that, it seems that the sanctions are probably going to be the most effective way for now only because all the money uh the oligarchs are probably going to get the most pissed and be the ones who say you know what enough of this shit and turn against him it's going to be his his inner circle that's going to be the downfall if he doesn't pull out you know pull back on his own because the people closest to him are going to get pissed and say "Mm -mm, enough of this they definitely gonna flip him the bird And I think I think what's gonna end up happening probably if if he's not successful in what he wants to do, I think by next year or the year after he's gone. How? They're just gonna have another election, and they're just gonna tell him you gotta go. The powers that be. You don't understand Russia. It doesn't work that way over there. 
So you think he's just gonna stay there till he dies? Starts him a coup, perhaps. I don't. And and I think I spoke to Larry about this before. Um, is this not the right time for a, a coup? He's not gonna let that happen, though. No. Well. He's definitely not going to let that happen. Yeah, it's not a matter of him letting it happen, though. And this is a thing that I think we're we're all kind of forgetting. It's not not up to him at that point because, again, the money is going to be the thing that's going to tip off the inner circle. And he's only as strong as his inner circle. That's true. If he can't get the people around him to rally for him anymore, he's done. Like, he's not invincible. Caesar wasn't invincible. Everyone stabbed him. <laughs> didn't didn't well played. <laughs> didn't uh I mean Switzerland joined the sanctions. They've been neutral forever. That's mm-hmm. the crazy part. Like are we like I think we're in the right in this whole thing trying to sanction him. I don't think he realizes how isolating he's making himself. I don't think he cared until recently. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's doing a good job at isolating himself. Now, he's still going to take Keith. Probably tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty confident about that. I don't know. Miles of uh, uh, Russian troops circling. I don't know if we're sending them weapons. I don't know. Send them all the weapons in the world. And by the way, they had dope-ass drones they purchased from Turkey. I saw one of those videos. That have done quite a bit of damage. But at the end of the day, manpower still outweighs military technology. You just have to be willing to accept casualties. That is true. Do you think Putin gives a shit about casualties? That is true. Well, I mean, he should, though, because not for nothing, they're chewing through the Russian army right now. And uh, all right, they're not flattening them like a pancake, but, you know, the resources of the military are finite, and it's not that, you know, they're going to chew through enough of the Russian military. And they, oh, my God, they're now the sixth or seventh largest military. No, but now they have to rebuild their military. That's a lot of spending. That's a lot of money that's not going to go into their economy. That's a lot of money that's not going to go back to the Russian people. And in the middle of all these sanctions, do you really want to have to begin spending like that on the military? Rebuild it. Do you think they didn't plan for this in twenty four since twenty fourteen? I, mm. I think they did, but I don't think they anticipated getting hit this hard and this much resistance. I think they just expected to straight steamroll. Yeah. Another thing is the reason why Russia is going to push so hard is because their population is declining like incredibly at this point. And their military will never be as their military numbers, personnel wise, would never be as strong as it is right now. Hmm. So, in summation, how do we see this ending? What are the possible endings that we can see? Puppet government. Okay, that's one of them. Yeah. How about if they don't get in? How about if it stays as it yeah, is now? Is there an ending where, you know, Everything. Russia doesn't fully succeed? No. You don't think so? I don't see it. But I'm not an expert. 
Touche. Well, this is very informative. This is very good. Christopher, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, gentlemen. And we appreciate you. Yeah, we finally got you on, Chris. Yes. Next time we got to talk guns. Whenever you're ready. <laughs> Larry, Christopher, and guns. Uh, there are many Ukrainians out there. <laughs> got to be oh, on over here. I, I do really want to discuss uh, with you, especially, uh, patriotism versus nationalism. Yes. I think that'll be a good one. You'll, you'll be a great guest to have for that one. Absolutely. Very patriotic. Yeah, nonetheless. But you know, as we get to a close, um, thank you. And this is Coffee Meets Cream. And we're out of here. Good night, gentlemen. Take care. <laughs>